0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe.
1: Hello, I'm Eric Zontcherb. I'm the Chairman of Critical Elements Lithium, which is ticker CRE on the TSX Venture or CRECF on the OTCQX in the United States. It's our vision to be a sustainable, reliable, large-scale, vertically-integrated supplier of lithium for that emerging uh, electric vehicle and energy storage system industries. To this end, we plan to successfully permit, develop, and operate the Rose Lithium Tantalum Project, one of the highest purity spodumene deposits in the world, located in chi, Quebec, Canada. We want to continue to unlock value through active exploration of a highly prospective land package of over 700 square kilometers with demonstrable lithium mineralization. And we want to achieve that vision with minimal environmental impact including leveraging low carbon electricity available through Quebec's established power grid and in cooperation with the Cree Nation of East Maine and other local Cree Nation communities and with whom relationships have been formalized.
0: Hello, Eric. Long time no see, saw you back in uh, February. I hope you are well. Indeed, I'm well and I hope you are as well, Matt. I'm surviving, I'm surviving. You've got a rather picturesque background there. Right, you you, you kind of laid out the story for us there all of the above not possible without a permit what's going on yeah I think permitting is an important
1: factor obviously it's it's the next uh, milestone for us the thing that we want to deliver um, I think we've disappointed the market in the time frame that's that's occurring if you recall in February I had hoped for I had speculated on a, a mid-year delivery uh, that has not occurred um, I think it's important to remember that these processes are parallel you've got a federal process process and provincial-level process in Quebec, both in partnership with the Cree community, and that things have to be done right in in relation to the Cree community. It's their backyard, it's their culture, it's their history, and, uh, and we want to make sure that things are done, and so do the governments. So, I's are being dotted, T's are being crossed. If you, if you go back to the uh, back in February, I believe it was, the, the Joint Assessment Committee um, established by the Impact Assessment Agency of Canada and the Cree Nation government published their draft environmental assessment report. And in that report, they concluded that uh, the project is not likely to cause significant adverse environmental effects and they provided several conditions. So, these are all conditions that we have to comply with negotiations have gone on and I feel that we're very, very close to conclusion of that all public consultation has concluded. And so now it's a matter for both committees, both on the federal and the provincial level uh, to make their recommendations to their respective ministers. In the federal case, there's a mandated timeline. We, uh, we they were asked for and were granted a three month extension. And so that extension is over in uh, in late August. And so that's when a decision has to be made, an announcement has to be made on the federal level Level, and so that's uh, that's the sort of timeline we're looking at. Hopefully, all of this will conclude in a positive fashion.
0: We remain very confident in August. So no speculation. We should see something in August. And what exactly will the announcement say? It was about here's your permit. Is that what it says? Yeah, it's called a certificate of authorization. Okay. and that will then allow us to
1: proceed. That's that's the main milestone to be achieved on a permitting side and at that point, one has to have a lot of confidence that uh, that all the I's have been dotted and T's crossed um, with the community fully on side, which which it clearly is given the uh, IBA, the Picatow agreement that was signed in 2019 with the communities. So, we're, we're quite excited.
0: Okay, fingers crossed for that one. Um, just I just want to talk about the the market slightly, and your share price. So we yep. spoke, it was kind of, it was, it was, uh, well, I went peak lithium in Q1. People are very excited about lithium. Maybe peak's the yeah. wrong word. Anyway, people were excited. I think prices really kind of rocketed up. You were at about 146, got up to 180-ish at, at, at one point as well, back down at 118. Are you underperforming your peers or is it pretty much par for the course for lithium at the moment?
1: I would say we are underperforming the peers At the time we were talking, um, you you talked about the price, we're down to a lower level, which is down around 11-12%. I follow a lot of, as I did as an analyst, a lot of companies, different commodities on the basis of enterprise value per ounce or pound or tonne, whatever, in the ground and on a global basis, so measured, indicated and inferred. are the valuation the peer mean valuation is up around 10% over that time period while we're down 11%. So yeah the, that's factually true we have underperformed in that time lithium uh, the benchmark lithium index is up 31% and hydroxide index is up 45%. So although equities tend to presage the movement of the underlying commodities Still, we have underperformed, and I would say that a large part of that is the fatigue related to waiting for permitting. Again, we're confident and we're excited; it's going to happen, and so this is a great opportunity. Seasonality is also working in our favor, and we can get into that if you like statistically. But I'd also like to mention that um, back in June, there was a, a Florida-based newsletter writer that that put out a very bullish statement about the stock and that's what took the stock up to around $1.80 and as is often the case with these circumstances that ramps and then comes back so i think that newsletter impact has also been a, an important mitigating factor here
0: yeah you, you, you kind of want a, a sustained growth story not the fervor and excitement and froth that you sometimes sometimes get from a Oh, Indeed. A, a misstatement, a misstatement. Well, look, um, let, let's st- just stick with the macro for a little bit. Okay. So Gangfang's been out there putting proposals. We, you know, we've got, we've got Backer Nora, we've got Farfinch, we've got Millennial. It, it's giving us some sense of what those guys are prepared to pay in a competitive free environment, which seems to be around 0.3 of nav, right? So, mm-hmm. which it's not that exciting, is it? Do you think with a bit more competition, well, it'll improve?
1: They are being opportunistic, they are. as they should be. They're doing exactly the right thing, um, picking up opportunities that are trading at a discount. They're, that's that's the smart thing to do, and to me, they're one of the only parties that is doing the right thing. Uh, you know, it's fascinating what's going on in the industry. Back in February, if you recall, we talked about the OEMs beginning to recognize the risk associated with. Uh, the, the availability of quality battery materials. And at that time, you know, one could think that they would start looking at the lowest risk prospects, those projects that are in strong jurisdictions, conventional technology, proven track records in their managements. Fascinatingly, that's not what they've done, apart from Ganfeng. What we're seeing is the OEMs and battery manufacturers have been buying into very elegant, beautiful stories of geothermal brines and, uh, and well-field brines with new technologies, direct Lithium extraction. And that's wonderful, but I would suggest that having a portfolio of diverse suppliers, including ones in good jurisdictions with conventional technology, might also be an important part of their, their strategy. And that's not what we're seeing as yet.
0: Right. Okay. So safety and diversity, not just jurisdictionally, but in terms of the technology that's being applied. Because obviously DLE is relatively new. You know, there's a few people with a few different um, solutions that that they're um, attaching around the market. So I probably agree with that. But it's, it's not for the lack of money that these guys are not diving in. There must be something else to it. No, and and a
1: very important part of that is the the lifecycle analysis that needs to occur from an ESG perspective. So if if I'm a major OEM, my investors, my board, regulators, governments are all looking at my supply chain and saying, where are you getting your battery materials from? Are you getting them from the Congo, are you getting them from, uh, from Canada? Where is it that that's coming from? So, jurisdictionally, that's important. Number two is the water consumption. So, if you look at some of the brine stories in, in, uh, in South America and talk about water consumption, it's to the point where one has to argue whether something is water or brine. Um, there's a natural impact as a result on the local community. And then, thirdly, carbon footprint or other emissions for that matter. where is the power coming from? if i'm gener- I'm producing battery materials in in an Eastern European country and forty percent of the power in that country comes from coal, I kind of have to wonder where my lCA score is going on that basis. Uh, I, you know, I'm not. I don't want to slag other projects. The reality is, we're going to need every single lithium unit we can get to supply the kind of EV and ESS growth that we're seeing heading into 2025 and 2030. So we need those lithium units. It just find it. I just find it interesting that that's where the focus has become of late.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess we'll know more as the year unravels. Um, just in terms of okay, we talked about some of the things you can't control, you, you, timing on the permitting. You, you give us an answer. What The behavior of the market, and uh, you can't control pricing is is running away from from you guys. And at some point, you got to play. You know, hopefully, you play catch up. But the things that you can control, um, I want to talk about because if I look at a company like Piedmont, obviously they've they've got they've got a, done a deal with Tesla. That helps the Tesla factor, lovely. But they've also gone and um, looked at a couple of acquisitions. One in Quebec. Your backyard, one in Ghana, that helps. Is are those the sorts of things that you should be doing whilst you're waiting for the permit, or is it just focus on the knitting? Well, I I, I take my hat off. I
1: give credit to Piedmont's management. In, in a way, they're almost making themselves the the Ganfeng of uh, of North America, gaining exposure to a number of different sources of spodumene for their their. Vision of becoming a supplier of, of hydroxide. And that's, that's well and good. Um, one of the reasons I was attracted to critical elements is the conservatism of management. And in that sense, conservatively go phase one, build the mine and concentrator, build phase two, which is conversion of lithium to lithium hydroxide. Prove yourself along the way. Don't strap on new technologies. Go for the the low-risk solution. Build a company on a low-risk capital structure. That's what appeals to me. We're going to stick to our knitting. We have the Rose Project, one of the highest purity deposits globally. And then we have 700 square kilometers of exploration grounds where it's been proven, where intersections have already been made of lithium, uh, grading 1.5, even two and a half percent. So somewhere out there is the next green bushes. There's nothing different between the Archean of Australia and the Archean of Canada. There is somewhere out there a spectacular high-grade deposit, and given the well-selected exploration grounds and the exploration activities that have been initiated in the first half of this year, we think that we have a good chance of having some successful exploration results to report on. And part of that is engaging um, one of the leaders in artificial intelligence and machine learning and applying that to a wealth of historical data and using that data to generate, quote unquote, smart targets, to, to hit with a drill. And so there's a lot of activity.
0: Well tell me about that. If people love those two letters, a, I'm not sure many people understand what it means. So when you're talking about better targeted uh, you know drill, well, drill targets, what, what does that mean? How do you get there? How much data do you need to be able to say this is AI driven and not conventional? You need a lot of data. Um, my my brilliant son is
1: uh, is involved in artificial intelligence, and uh, I say brilliant because he told me to buy Bitcoin at $90 and I thought he was mad. Anyway, um, the, uh, Where'd you the sell? idea is- Where'd you sell? Like a huge, Eric, yeah, come on. There you go. Have you sold? No? Yeah. Uh, um, what? Well, no, I didn't even buy because I thought it was a dumb <laughs> idea, but there you go. Uh, I, I'm an idiot. Obviously, I'm focused on quick. The back to AI. to AI. Back to AI. <laughs> back to AI. Yes. So one gathers a huge amount of information, as you as you know from an exploration program. Over time, you generate a lot of data, and uh, we as human beings have biases, and so there are things that we see, and we're we're limited in how many factors that we can apply in building an exploration model. With artificial intelligence or machine learning, one can take that data. Look through a whole slew of factors from different places. So, if we're talking about geology, geophysics, geochemistry, structural analysis, LIDAR, all of these factors come together to create targets. And then you ground truth that with known information, trenching results, rock sampling results, drill results. And so, new targets are postulated, they hit, great success and then the model is constantly evolving. And so by applying this technology and to our knowledge, it's not being used or has not been used in any other Lithium projects globally, this will allow us to come up with even more targets, and and as I've said before in the past, we already know where there are other zones of high-grade mineralization. We have the extensions both to the east and west from the Wabushi project, for example, which is one of the higher-grade projects outside of Greenbushes, and so there's there's a lot of potential to be tapped here. Non-core projects have been optioned to aggressive exploration companies, but the core we're going to stick with, and and uh, and carry on with. Okay. But remaining focused on advancing and de risking rows, that's key.
0: Yeah, and I'll come to that, I promise. But just, I just want your take on this because we've interviewed a few AI companies coming into mining yeah. and they're slightly confused as to how to charge for it. There's no consensus as to how companies like you would pay for that. So, what are you doing with the company that you're working with? A simple fee basis. Right, just consultancy fee, come and analyze the work. Yep. There's no upside on drill results, there's no equity portion, there's no none of that. No, we
1: Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I I'd hate to see the project burdened with with royalties. Um let's let's keep it clean.
0: Yeah, okay, agreed, agreed. Um right, I sort of want to talk about um money for a bit because exploration requires money. Um, you know, once you get your permit in place, you can have proper conversations about money. So, where, where are you today with cash and what are, what are the conversations around financing that, that you're considering at the moment? Right. Um, okay. So, I
1: think there's around 8 million left in the treasury, something like that. Um, the, the, the ask will be for $400 million. For phase one Canadian, that includes uh, roughly 340, 350 on feasibility study for capex plus working capital. So the 400 Canadian is a very comfortable number when we've got a market cap that's just over 200 million. And I say comfortable because you're going to be looking at a traditional structure, uh, roughly 50-50 equity on the debt side. Um, I, I cited in our last conversation in February the excellent job that Sigma did in, in getting um, relatively low-cost funding in uh, in terms of uh, green bonds that uh, where the ESG component is important. I'd like to see the company positioned, our company positioned in a similar fashion, and I think that uh, the Quebec government has also made it very clear that they're supportive. Uh, for the development of a battery hub in Quebec, hashtag ED Nord. Uh, the, uh The idea that, uh, that they could come along as well on the debt side when they have 1.9Million allocated, pardon me, 1.9Billion allocated towards that particular initiative is uh, is I think realistic. So that's the debt side. On the, on the equity side, we've been adamant not to simply take offtake agreements. This is, you know, discussions that have been going on for any years about the availability of offtake, and that offtake frenzy has intensified over the last few months, particularly uh, both from European, North American parties, but also Asian parties. And then I think that some of these Asian parties uh, have greater vision, and they see the, the shortfall, particularly in lithium that's coming. If you talk to UBS and many other brokerage firms, they're talking about a 50% supply deficit in in terms of Lithium in 2025 and beyond. Um, It's great, maybe by 2030, we're going to see and and later some great recycling initiatives and we'll see some great uh, new technologies, DLE technologies that will be contributing in the 2030s. But there's this period between now and then that will have to be met by conventional mining. There's just no way around it, and at least in my opinion. And so we have these strategic parties that are dying for offtake. And we are adamant that if there, if there is offtake, it's going to have to be tied to skin in the game. There will have to be participation at either the project level or the corporate level. And while some observers might suggest that's a pipe dream, whereas the other examples of it, I'd suggest to you that, as that deficit becomes more real, that vision will also become more real,
0: but with all of these things, especially in finance it's about timing timing the market, the cost of the money changes, the type of financial solutions and structure changes so q one nice hot frothy market um and i and I do buy the the longer term the longer this thing goes on, the more likely there are to be more bidders um, and certainly in terms of off take component but have you, how many conversations have you had with the Quebec province? Because you know, we, we spoke with a company recently. I think it was Troilus who, they're gold, right? But nevertheless, the investment Quebec and, and two other agencies have come in for 20% equity and pretty much underwritten and contributed to, to the debt component. So how, how does Quebec province feel about Asian investment into their backyard? Does that give you some, some leverage?
1: absolutely i mean if, if how do i put this the polit- the political reality is that the quebec uh, government would like to see value added production within stay within the province in the meantime there are plenty of parties around the world that have conversion capacity or want to build conversion capacity and they're looking for spodumene concentrate to feed that ambition I believe the Quebec government would like to keep conversion capacity in the province of Quebec, in which case there's going to have to be support. And um, that's the political reality. We're excited about it. That what's better than a province where you've got highly skilled labor, you've got capital available, you've got power generated by hydroelectricity for 93% of it, low carbon, the cost of that power, four and a half cents Canadian. Okay, it's a great place to work.
0: It's a great place to work, and I think the Quebec uh, province—you know, all the agencies—you know, they want jobs, they want tax, they want all of that kind of support. Very supportive province, actually, perhaps more so than the rest of Canada. It's an extraordinary uh, province. Um, but when you're talking about the market, about strategic partners, you're not talking about the Quebec government. You're talking about technical, technically strategic partners, or market partners, or 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 are you? It's a huge spectrum. Right. Everything
1: from private equity that would contribute capital and maybe some ideas on the technical side um, through oil and gas companies that have their renewable divisions. Um, you've got mining companies that are interested in, in getting into the lithium business. You look at the announcement this week of Rio Tinto uh, that they are going to put 2.4 billion into their Yadar project in Serbia uh, to deliver lithium carbonate in 2026 at the earliest. So there is a mining company, a mining giant, that has decided lithium is a place where they want to be, and they're going to put their money and their technical expertise behind it. So that's one example. Um, you look at the battery manufacturers, CATL getting involved deeply with neolithium, which is a great brine story in Argentina. Um, and then you look at the OEMs themselves uh, getting involved more now with the, uh, the the geothermal stories in Europe and California, but they're there and they all are spending tens of billions of dollars to move their model lineup from internal combustion engine to electric some entirely by 2030 2035 that's a huge investment
0: they're going to have to put money into the upstream as well they they are but this this one I want to get to I want to see if there's any subject to conversations that you're having by that for people uh, is like You've discussed finances with a strategic partner. Subject to you getting your permit um, in place, they, w- they would be willing to continue conversations about the cost of that financing, right? So I get that Catal and Gangfang are hard at it. The Rios and BHP are, you know, starting to really dig in on the battery metal side of things, but the OEM's not moving yet in terms of securing supply, they're busy building infrastructure and lots of other investment. But like I said earlier, I don't think they're short of a bob or two, but why aren't they moving? Well, are you able to tell us anything about the conversations that you're having? Because I, I get the wide spectrum, That's, but that's all theory. But what, what are you doing to nail it down, the stuff that you're in control of? It's not being nailed down because we haven't got our permits yet. The moment
1: the permits are there, then the risk profile for the company changes dramatically, and if I were, you know, X Y Z OEM sitting there, I would also wait for those permits to come, and that's when they come back. Other parties are more aggressive in saying, "Let's uh, let's do a deal." Um, so, we are the custodians for the shareholders. We are the custodians for the stakeholders. We have to do what's best, and so. You know that that's a decision that will come, that will be made, and I know I'm still being, you know, vague and nebulous about this discussion. But at
0: the time when it comes, okay, I'm not going to get money this way. uh, Okay, go on. Let's say if you're if you're an OEM
1: and the ask is for 200 million equity, that's a pretty big number with high exposure for an OEM. Would I do that right now if I were them? Not likely. But in this kind of a market, if I were to buy a piece of this company with the name behind it, what do you think would happen to the equity markets? They would follow on. So that anchor, that seed is what is doable for an OEM. That's just one scenario, entirely hypothetical, but it's a possibility.
0: But they don't like to play that mining get risk game. They don't like to play the no. market game. They've got, they, they know their business and they're going to stick to it, but doesn't shouldn't prevent them having a conversation with you prior to getting permits, you know, get ahead, ahead of the game. So, but that's not happening, you're saying? You never know. Conversations are being had. Okay, let's move on to exploration, okay? I'm not going to get much of an answer out of you. So I'm going to move on to expiration. Um, you've obviously got eight million bucks in the in the in the bank. Um, you're allocating that. How much of that is being allocated towards expiration?
1: Um, I would say that our priorities are the on, on the Rose project, and right. so there there is some detailed engineering that's ongoing that's been commissioned for phase one. There is uh, technical studies that have been commissioned with Tech and WSP for phase two. Um, that's going to be at least two thirds of the story of the of the budget for the next six to twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then exploration, we can leverage with some joint ventures on Encore property. But if we spend one to two million dollars, uh, we we will be opportunistic if need be. If uh, there's some discoveries that that uh, need to be followed up on, and uh, we'll go from there.
0: Okay, but it sounds like there might be a, 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 a little a, a little poke into the market for a, a bit of g money because pre pre capex, is that right? Because we'll see. Okay, certainly not going to happen at a dollar eighteen. Right. So what's going to move the the dial on one dollar eighteen? The permit. Well, let's hope uh, by between now and the end of August
1: uh, there will be full permitting. That would be a. An important threshold, an important
0: milestone achieved. It, feel, it feels like it should be a big catalyst moment. It feels like it should be a big catalyst moment. But if you only get a little bump, what do you do? Sit back? I think
1: that the, that we have the capital to move forward for the next uh, six to twelve months.
0: Okay. Well, I look forward to seeing what that looks like. Um, as ever, Eric, uh, wise words. enjoy the conversation. Come back on a bit more regularly. We'd love to see how this, uh, especially if you get the permit, come and come and gloat. If? If? You mean when? I mean when. A pleasure chatting. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.